we start beating ourselves up for being human is when it gets harder. But I'm gonna just go ahead and invite uh, Jay Schiffman up to share his story. So let's give it up for Jay. Welcome to the Choose Your Struggle podcast. I am your host, Jay Schiffman. Welcome back to the Choose Your Struggle podcast. Thanks for tuning in to episode 31. This is a pretty great episode. But before we get into that, I do want to talk a little bit about last week. There's been a lot of feedback for Katie Hill. A lot. Thank you to everyone who took the time to listen and provide thoughtful feedback. Positives. There were a lot. And, and really, sincerely, thank you for everybody who, who, who passed along you know, very positive feedback. And, and even some of the thoughtful negative feedback. I really appreciate that. People telling me this is where they thought I fell short or, or what I didn't do a good job of. I love it. Really, I mean that. I love it. A lot of people filled out the podcast survey after that episode. So thank you for doing that. Here's what I don't like. Katie being a former elected official brought out the worst in a lot of people. They were clearly people who didn't even listen to the show, so it it shouldn't bother me as much. But a lot of the comments were so downright offensive, so intentionally hurtful towards me, towards Katie, that it, it did get to me. I posted one particular person on Facebook, uh, shout out. To Todd Randall, a trucker in Florida, for being a grade-A jackass. Todd was one of the many people in right-wing social media who shared this interview to be like, you know, look at these idiots and blah, blah, blah. That wasn't what got to me. It was him commenting on the, the post on my Choose Your Struggle page and saying, Jay, what did you get for this interview? Quid pro blow would be my guess obviously insinuating that for giving Katie the opportunity to talk about her mental health and her brother who passed away from overdose, I got a blowjob. So Todd, you can go fuck yourself. And everyone else like him who, who you know, blasted me for giving people who post porn an opportunity. Yeah, there were people like that. First off, if people want to post porn, let them post porn. But that wasn't Katie's story. Her, her pictures were stolen. So clearly you didn't listen. That shit got to me because if you have thoughtful feedback, I want to hear it all. And I mean that. And I, I can't say this enough. Even if it's not positive, I want to hear that because it makes me better. If you're just going to be an asshole, if you're just going to be like, go, you know, get the fuck out. That's it. That's my rant. <laughs> this week is the opposite of that. This week features an interview with Greg Clunas who is an incredibly thoughtful guy, the host of Tiny Leaps, a podcast that I love. And let's be honest, you hear me sort of fanboy a little bit in this episode. Um, I even make light of that. The shout-out is from a really incredible woman named Emily McGuire, who uh, I follow on LinkedIn. We got connected there, and she's, she's someone that I've interacted with a lot, and I really love her work. Uh, and it was really cool to finally sit down and chat with her. So you're going to learn a lot this week. Keep reaching out. I do want to hear from you if you are taking the time to listen. 
or, you know, people who don't and have said, I don't listen because I do want to hear that. Thank you to everyone who filled out the podcast survey. Thank you for people who keep sharing more on that at the end of the show. A couple new sponsors this week, which is fun. All of this is in the show notes. Please be looking at the show notes or my podcast website, which is jshiftman.com and go to the podcast page. I want to hear from you. Keep reaching out. Without further ado, enjoy this week's episode. My name is Emily McGuire. I am the owner of Flourish and Grit, an email marketing and automation studio. So I, you know, I'm a big, I don't want to say fan of mental health. That sounds weird. That's fine. <laughs> We're, I'm a big fan of mental health. That works. But like I, you know, I'm a big advocate, I guess. And I see no shame in it. And it's weird for me to talk to people who are like, oh, you talk about going to therapy. That's a little too personal. And I'm just like, I don't, I'm not ashamed of it. Why should I not talk about it? So I've been in therapy about half my life at this point. Um, so I had, I have a son of a three-year-old. And when I had him, I hadn't been in therapy in a while, but um, started suffering from postpartum depression. So that got me back in and then um, started a new business and uh, found a new therapist and was uh, talking to her about how like, I felt like I was just talking with the same stuff over and over and nothing was changing. And she suggested EMDR therapy, which I had vaguely heard of at that point, but was like, sure, you know, I'll try it. I'm game for most things. And I cannot tell you, it feels like a magic wand almost. It makes you confront your biggest insecurities and your biggest mental roadblocks. And, you know, I've invested a lot into, you know, the, the business entrepreneur mindset thing. Um, but I think what primed me for that was the EMDR therapy. Like it uncovered so many things in my past that you know are there in the back of your head. Um, they're just rattling around and you don't pay much attention to them until somebody guides you through paying attention to them. Man, digging into those has been a game changer. My dad is a Vietnam veteran who was diagnosed with PTSD only, I don't know, it's maybe been 15 years now. And like learning about inherited trauma, you know, he dealt with his trauma in the way he did and it wasn't super healthy. I experienced trauma through him. Like it, it's just bonkers. And, it, and it's so weird to like finally get that bird's eye view of the situation and say, like get enough distance from it to say, oh yeah, that's fucked up, <laughs> you know? Like I, and I don't need to make excuses for it. And, it. and I don't need to be pitied or feel pity about it. Like, it's just so weird to be able to look at it a little bit objectively um, and say, yeah, it's just what happened. It's nobody's fault. It's just what happened. And I get to repair that damage, right? Like it stops with me. I feel like my guiding principle personally is leading with empathy and um, understanding that people and situations and things are much more complex than they might initially appear to be. And so I try to lead that in my personal life and that's how I lead with my business too and in, in how I approach it. So I try to show up with all of that. 
I am on LinkedIn, Emily McGuire. I talk about email marketing there and other things that affect our world. And you can find me on Instagram at Flourish and Grit. Um, or you can find, my, find me on my own website. I have one. It's flourishgrit.com. So it looks like we're going to be hanging out inside for at least a little while longer. And with the colder months coming up fast, there's never been a more perfect time to stock up on all your comfy clothes. Lucky for you, you listen to the Choose Your Struggle podcast, and I have a sweet deal for you today. Check out my sponsor, Pair of Thieves. They've got everything you need, from shorts to lounge pants to underwear and bras. They even have a line of Disney socks with all your favorite characters on it. But here's the best part. If you use the link in the show notes or on my podcast website and the discount code Rakuten Thieves, don't worry, that's in the show notes too, you'll get 20% off every full price item in your shopping cart. So stock up on all your comfy clothes today and help out the podcast in the process. My whole thing is trying to change our understanding of personal development. I, I truly believe that personal development is a natural part of being a human being, that drive for progress, that drive for creating change and, and being better than you were yesterday. That's natural. That doesn't need to be only for the group of people who are willing to spend $10,000 to go to a conference or who are willing to buy the books or buy the courses or whatever it is. So I just want to take the things that we know work, that behavioral science tells us works, that psychology tells us works, and share them with people who truly need that information in a format that makes sense. That's what led to me starting the podcast, which since then has, has just sort of blown up and, and it's been a fun ride ever since. So I want to say this before we get into your story, that this is the first time since I've been doing this podcast, which is over six months now, that I have asked someone to come on, not only, but partially because I am such a big fan of their podcast. Uh, for my listeners, I, I listen, you drop every day, which by the way is incredible. I couldn't imagine doing <laughs> that. <laughs> um, and I listen every day. They're, they're, it's just a fantastic way to, it's usually the first thing I listen to in the morning. Uh, I love the podcast. It's a great mindset boost to start the morning. And I can't say enough good things about it. Oh, well, thank you so much for that. Honestly, it means a lot whenever, I mean, as you know, podcasting is such a one-way relationship. Like I'm talking to a microphone and I often forget that there's people listening. So it's awesome when I, when I get to meet the people that listen, but especially situations like this where we get to have a conversation, we get to dive into topics a little bit deeper. So this is going to be fun. Yeah. I second all of that. You know, it, it, uh, I, I started as a professional speaker and, and somebody said, you know, when you're doing your podcast, this is another podcaster. Imagine that you're up on stage because your cadence changes the way you approach the microphone mm. changes. And, and I, I forget that at times too, because it's, you know, I'm sitting in a closet recording on a microphone right. and, and it's very different than being up on stage. And you know, it's funny um, that not to, to get too far off here, uh, I, my first experience like speaking was through the podcast. And since then I've started doing speaking and going to conferences, all of that stuff. So my cadence on stage is my podcast <laughs> voice, but I never had like the, the audience in front of me in the beginning. So the first time I did it and I had to like pause for laughter and like all of that stuff where you're engaging, it's like, Oh, 
that they can talk back to me. That's cool. <laughs> it is very different. So before we get too far in your work, I would love to, you know, listeners of your podcast know your story a little bit, but for my fans who, who have not listened and even just for myself, I would love to know the full story. Yeah. Um, so I'm an immigrant. I moved to the U S from Jamaica when I was eight and it, it really is sort of your typical immigrant story, Like People pack up, move to the U S for a better life. Uh, they're presented with opportunity, but a whole lot of hardship, all of that stuff. Right. And, and I, I was lucky because I was young enough that that didn't direct, like I wasn't the one making those sacrifices. My parents were, but because I was still an immigrant, I had to sort of see that. And there were sacrifices that I had to make as far as having a deeper relationship with my father who worked all the time. And, and he specifically did that because he knew that his only lifeline in this country, the only way that we could establish ourselves and, and create a life here was to be as valuable as he possibly could be at work. That that was it. Like they were the ones sponsoring him. They were the like they were the reason that he was able to stay here, and uh, uh, as a result, we were able to stay here. So this is how I grew up in the environment I grew up in of making the choice that you don't really want to make in order to get the outcome that you do want, uh, and and watching my parents do that. Now, fast forward a little bit, I'm 13. And I, I had sort of internalized this way of viewing things, but never had the language for it. And one of my older brothers introduced me to personal development. So he gave me a Tony Robbins book, told me I had to read it by the end of the, um, the summer I was staying with him down in Florida. And um, I read through it. And it really opened my eyes to not so much the specific things that he was saying, but this idea that there is an entire field dedicated to the practice of making changes in your life, of setting goals, of, of trying to move forward, trying to overcome obstacles, like all of those things, like there are people who study this. Like that's something that I, I uh, became aware of thanks to this, this book. And also because of the age that I was, uh, being 13, like it started to define my identity for myself through my teenage years and and has gone on to influence me in so many uh, so many ways since around 2015 i was 23 going on 24 and i started to feel like that industry that had meant so much to me and had helped me so much really was getting very uh quotable in the sense that you can say things that sound really good and it's really easy to agree with. And because it's easy to agree with, you can share it and like it and do all of that stuff. But in truth and in fact, there's, it's not saying anything. Like it, it's not very practical. It doesn't apply to people's actual lives and it doesn't give you any steps that you can take. And that was starting to take over with the rise of things like Instagram and everyone wanting to be an influencer. So I wanted to make something that could allow um, a little bit deeper dive into some of the things that we know work that could bring in, because that was the other side of it, was it got really fluffy on one end, but then it also got very like manifesty on the other end in the sense that vision boards and speaking it into existence and the secret and all of that stuff became really popular. And here's the truth. There's value in both of these views. And I just recorded an episode on this today that's publishing next week. There's value in both of these views. 
The problem is when one view becomes dominant. Like if you are full on into the secret, you're then not taking any action to drive change. But if you're full on hustle mode, I'm going to do everything, you're not giving yourself the space you need to grow and, and uh, fail and deal with things. And so that's where I try to live my own life and, and what I try to share on the show and in my book and any of my future work is what is that middle ground between the two where you can give yourself the room to be a human being, which means failing, which means in, in many cases uh, uh, more to the topic of this show, it, it might mean relapsing. Like that stuff happens, like things happen. Life is complicated and complex. And the minute we start beating ourselves up for being human is when it gets harder. Sometimes we just have to let ourselves be human and allow that humanity to exist so that we can move forward long-term. Yeah, uh, man, that's so strong, so powerful. And, and I was so excited this morning. I woke up and, and, you know, did my thing and I put on my first podcast of the day, which was yours. And your topic today went right into what I do. And I was like, oh, what great timing. And I know this is a little <laughs> Star Trek y, like mm, in episode 256, you said, like, that's not what I'm trying to do. But you, <laughs> you, this morning, your entire episode was about changing your definition of success. And yeah. that's exactly what Choose Your Struggle is about. It's, it's, you know, we are taught as a society that get all the money you can and whatever, right? All these things, right? I don't go through it all. Choose Your Struggle is all about, but, but what do you want at the end of the day? Mm -hmm. And man, your, that episode just knocked me on my ass. I was like, I love this. You know, it's crazy. And like this timing really is insane. That episode, um, the concept for it, came a few days ago so in the facebook group there's a tiny leaps facebook group there's this gentleman that i spoke to years ago like three years ago he's been listening to the show for a really long time and he he was working out in vegas he was pursuing this idea that he had of what making it meant but somewhere along the line he got mixed up with drug problems now Currently, he had to sort of abandon that idea of what making it was, move back home with family, and, and is really struggling because he built himself up into this, this idea of what it was he wanted and, and where he wanted to go. And now he lives somewhere completely different where it's not possible. So like he's struggling to find his identity. And I remember talking to him uh, last week, I think, actually, about this exact issue and it just like, it, like, that's where the episode concept came from was, hey, here's this guy who, like, he's not looking at the fact that being alive still and not accidentally overdosing counts as making it like that 100%. still matters. Like yep. he's not looking at that. He's looking at, well, I had this idea and I was working for it and I was so close, but now I can't do that anymore. And I think we just need to really step back and recognize these imaginary ideas that we have of what our lives should be, that's not real yet. Like that doesn't exist. What exists is right this second. That's it. So what is right this second? And what does making it mean to you in this moment? And, and I think that if we can approach it that way, all of a sudden we give ourselves room to actually be happy with where we're at and actually be happy with the choices that got us here rather than feeling like, oh, well, I wasn't good enough to hit this imaginary target. 
it's that's so uh, perfectly encapsulates like you know my my mission and and i love it's cheesy but there's the a john lennon line that you know is quoted all the time which is life is what happens when you're busy making other plans and it's it's spoke speaks directly to the path i was on you know i was living I, I was born into privilege and i was living on this path that i was supposed to be going on and at 23 i'm found myself struggling with substance misuse i attempt suicide twice i overdose and it's like it launches me in a completely different direction and now mm-hmm. here i am today and and you touch on i swear this is the last time i'm gonna be like all right in this episode uh but you had an episode that also stuck with me and now it's weeks later i'm still thinking about this where you talk about personal development as a form of privilege Mm -hmm. and i loved that because that's so often you know people in sort of this big picture line of work are we're, we're preaching these things where occasionally we got to stop ourselves and go, okay, but what we're talking about here is a privilege at its base. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it's something that I've been thinking a lot more about lately. And, and in that episode, either that one or uh, the one a few episodes afterwards that also discusses this, I, I always try to acknowledge, like, yes, I'm a young black man in America. Yes, I'm an immigrant here. Like there are all of these things that uh, definitely like right now you look at and you say, oh, well, he's not the privileged one. This other guy's the privileged one, right? But I acknowledge my own privilege in so many ways. Like I moved from what is largely considered to be a developing country. I, I don't know if third world country is still the term that you can use, but that is what it is because I had the parents I had. Like. There are so many people, friends of mine from when I lived there that never left because they didn't have my parents who were willing to make that sacrifice. And then once they got here, willing to work so freaking hard that they sacrificed time with their kids, sacrificed time with each other, sacrificed their own health because it was the only option that they had. Not everyone is lucky enough to have people like that raise them. And that to me is a privilege. That is something that allowed me to be the type of person that I am where regardless of the very real obstacles I have in my life, it almost doesn't matter because I'm going to find a way around them. I'm going to find a way to make them work for me because that's how I was raised and that's who I was raised by. So I think it's so important to start recognizing, forget the the, con- the larger conversation of white privilege versus like, I'm, I'm not trying to drive this into like a racial inequality conversation because I think that there's so much there. I'm not the person qualified to talk about it. What I do want to talk about is the understanding that having a morning routine is a privilege. Not everyone can have that. Some people are working three jobs and sleeping for four hours just to go back to their first job. Like that's not something everyone can do. Making lists and journaling and meditating is a privilege. The freedom to consume all of this stuff and actually try it in your day to day. The fact that you have that time and and that, that the amount of money to even be thinking that way is a privilege. And if we don't start recognizing that, both as the practitioners, if we don't recognize, hey, this is something I'm able to do now because of the situation I'm in, and that's something I'm grateful for, that's something I'm going to take seriously and actually try to apply to my life, 
And also as the, the people putting content out, the people talking about this, if we don't recognize the things we share aren't always practical, it might feel easy to download a meditation app, but those five minutes are sacred to some people. So if we don't really start recognizing these things, not only are less people going to take accurate action when they are in a position to, but less people are going to have information they can actually act on in the first place. Why are we so afraid of being uncomfortable? Why is this a thing that people are just like, I don't even want to sit with that? I think it's because anything that attacks our sense of self is terrifying. Like It's almost scarier to have your identity attacked than to be physically attacked. And what I mean when I say that is if you believe that you are, you, you're in a certain place because, exclusively because you worked really hard and exclusively because uh, you just are that smart. If you truly believe that and you've internalized that, being told that a part of why you're there is because of a system that benefits you as opposed to benefiting others, that attacks your sense of self. That forces you to question, well, was it really because I worked hard? And so you go into defense mode. And so it's not so much about let's have this conversation or not and people refusing to want to have it. It's people refusing to have their sense of self attacked without defending it. And I think that that's where you get into a larger conversation about how do we bring these topics up and how do we uh, uh, present these things to people in a way that allows them to engage without feeling personally attacked. Ultimately, like that shift is what needs to happen is how do we have this conversation with people without it being about you're at fault for X and rather an inviting uh, situation to consider the alternatives. That's how I look at it. Let me, let me make that clear. I'm in no way an, an expert in, in this, these areas, but it's my approach to it. Let's bring that home to our sort of, again, big tent, our industry here. I have a rule. And I've only had to apply this twice, but, but I, it's my rule. If I get invited to speak somewhere, I ask them who else is on the, you know, wh who else is speaking. And if I'm not comfortable with the level of all diversity, big D diversity, I, I, I have, I pass because I don't, mm. I don't, I'm not comfortable being in that, that situation. And our, again, big, big, big tent, our, industry is incredibly dominated by older white male high educated yeah and and i struggle with that as a person who i don't have an advanced degree but i check all those other boxes uh and and again sorry i guess the fifth part would be there or the next part would be uh educational experience over lived experience mm. and how do we start to change those dynamic so that the people whose voices need we need to be hearing are taken are, are getting their seat at the table and more so are the ones who are getting to dominate the table not sort of yeah that's your seat you get the one yeah so we've seen this start to play out a little bit um, and going back to what I I sort of very briefly touched on earlier, the, the two main dynamics in personal development, right? So you've got hustle culture and you've got manifest culture. 
Hustle culture is just do it no matter what, show up, suck it up and get it done. Manifest is take care of yourself, like manifest, visualize, all of that stuff. Um, that side of it, the spiritual manifesting side is largely dominated by white women. And that is an attempt to shift away from what was dominant prior to that. And so they found this sort of niche area that allows them to be the, the dominant voice and appeals to this specific segment of the, the personal development world. And I think that that sort of thing is going to continue to happen in the sense that because everyone can put information out, because you have something like the internet and everyone can find their group, you have now the opportunity to create these little niche bubbles that work for whomever is looking for it. Now, when we start to look at the larger scale, how do we shift the entire industry? It's really little by little. Like It's having those groups that are far more manifest-driven. It's having uh, the, the groups that are focused exclusively on helping black leaders. It's, it's having the, the groups that are focused exclusively on having conversations like um, uh, substance abuse. So it, it's really building out those niche bubbles and, and making it possible for people to find the group that, that works for them that ultimately dilutes the larger pool of personal development. Now you have all of these voices that have a place, that have a platform, who can speak, and maybe they're not as large as, say, a Tony Robbins, but they have some clout in the, the world, and Tony Robbins' voice gets a little bit smaller as a result of the pie being divided uh, 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 in more slices. Um, and by doing so, and, and one of the things I try to do with my show, uh, I get messages all the time. I find it honestly hilarious. Uh, people do not know that I'm black. Like listening to the show, uh, if they never go to my website, if they I'm not on my artwork or anything like that. So if they've never seen me for any reason, they as soon as they find out, oh, I'm a black man, like I get the message of, oh my God, I didn't realize you were black, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I find it hilarious, but I think that that's also part of the solution in the sense that not to ignore race, but in the sense that I'm sure there are many people who have heard me speak through the podcast, did not realize that I was a black man. And that lack of understanding led to them sharing it or liking it or doing whatever thing that they maybe wouldn't have done as easily had they known. And I find that fascinating. Now, I don't know where that fits in as a part of the solution. I don't know where that fits in as, as an, an actionable thing. But I find it fascinating, this idea that you can be introduced to something that falls outside of your ideals of, of whatever your beliefs are. And that introduction can be essentially hidden from you and cause you to change those, those underlying beliefs. Like that's, that's, that's interesting to me. I want to go on that. I have a, a question to follow up. Before I do, I would love for you to give my listeners a chance to hear where they can find you and follow you. Yeah, so the podcast is called Tiny Leaps, Big Changes, and that's the easiest place to start. You're already listening to this podcast, so do a search for Tiny Leaps, Big Changes. And um, I, all I have is two quick steps, two, two asks for you. One, listen to any episode. There's 570-something, and they cover a wide variety of topics. So whatever jumps out at you in this moment, pick that one. 
And then from there, find the podcast on Instagram at tiny leaps and let me know your thoughts, whether you love it or you hate it, send me a message and let me know what you thought. I'm going to make it even easier. Uh, I found your podcast originally months ago because I looked at on, on Apple, similar podcast to mine and yours was the number one thing on the list. So my listeners, if you're listening on, on Apple, check out the similar podcasts and, and you're right there at the top. Awesome. Huge shout out to my podcast sponsor, Mountain Made CBD. Mountain Made is changing the CBD game by offering a line of high-dose CBD tablets at an affordable price. Their products are THC-free and third-party tested for accuracy, cleanliness, and potency. Their products, which now ship nationwide, include Build for CBD saturation, Boost for precision titration, and Recover for rest and rehab. With nine years' experience in hemp and fitness, Mountain Maid's founders are focused on creating a quality CBD product to help those with activated lifestyles. Check out www.mountainmade.life to find out more about how their product can help you crush your life. And you know I'm all about that. Remember, their products ship nationwide. So go check out the website today and follow them on social media at Mountain Maid. And also listen to episode seven with Mountain Maid founder, Mike Passion. All right, back to the episode. So you were talking about experiences of people not knowing your race and how you think that that may or may not have contributed. Looking very, going super focused, the last let's say three months since George Floyd's murder, mm-hmm. we've had some of these conversations. Uh, I know you've talked about some of this a little bit on, on your show, but there's uh, a lot of the podcasts that I love. There's a, there's one that I, I just, I can't get enough of called therapy for black girls, which is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, really just an incredible show. And they've talked, spent a lot of time th- talking about how weird the last three months have been, where it seems like people are coming out of the woodwork, looking for their opinion, checking in on them, <laughs> asking them to be on their stuff. Have you been in that position? Has it been oh, hard? Yeah. Like what, is, is it sort of like both a flattering and a little weird at the same time? Okay, so it's weird in the sense that, uh, especially when everything first started, like the random messages of, hey, just wanted to check in with you, like that to me feels strange. Um, and and I, I always appreciate the sentiment, right? I, I know where the person is coming from, but it feels weird to me because being black isn't new for me. Like that's an experience I've had my entire life. These things have been fears of mine my entire life. So there was always this fear in like really as a part of who I was essentially of, hey, you have to be extra careful so that there can never be any doubt about what your intentions are. There can never be any doubt about where you're coming from. Um, and and that that's how I grew up. That's how I lived my life. So for people to all of a sudden be realizing that that's a concern I might have, like that felt weird to me. With that said, on the other side, I've been featured on a lot of black voices lists in the last three months. And I think that the message I have to put out is important. I want more people to hear it. So regardless of how those features come by me, I'm happy to take them. 
having people feel that because I am black, I then have to speak on these topics. And I want to make it perfectly clear. I am not educated as, as educated as I should be. And as, as I would like to be on these topics, there are so many leaders out there who spend every single day focusing their energy in this area. Just, and, and I've had people basically tell me, Hey, you have a big podcast. You have to speak on this. Like, no, I don't have to do anything. Being black has not like that's not new to me and just because i'm black doesn't mean that i'm very well educated on the issues of systemic racism it means i'm a victim of it but it doesn't mean i'm i'm like a scholar on it so it, it's it's been sort of a mixed experience in that way um and i always appreciate the individual for their intentions because i know it's coming from a good place so i want to make that part clear as well I'm not sitting here bashing people for asking questions or bashing people for wanting to hear my opinion. That's not it at all. I just want it to be clear that just because a person is black and is a creator does not mean they have to share their thoughts on what's going on. How I can't imagine I have uh, empathy, but I have no context for that. I, but I, I want to, imagine or, or it seems to me that that would be really tough on your mental health yeah it's um thankfully so i have a uh, a white girlfriend rachel and we have had many conversations since all of this started both in terms of figuring out the balance so for example a few, a few months ago or maybe it was a few weeks ago time is an illusion um, <laughs> during covid who knows man <laughs> at some point during covid uh, <laughs> Uh, the whole like blackout thing on Instagram, like we had a lot of conversations about did that feel right or not? And she didn't do it. I didn't do it because it didn't feel right. It didn't feel like that was actually bringing any value to anything. And so it didn't make sense to us. Um, and, and so it hasn't been that challenging to my mental health because thankfully I have a partner that I can literally just sit down and bitch with whenever things like this happen to me. Um, but also like I could see if I was dealing with that alone, like having conversations with my cousins who've gone through exactly the same thing. Like it definitely is affecting a lot of people's mental health. And I will say, especially the first week, I believe when the protest first broke out, um, I was running and like, I, I went out for a run and I had all of these people like at stoplights and cars like roll down their window and basically like tell me they support me, which feels weird because like, I don't want to feel uncomfortable when I'm out for a run. I don't want to feel like, like, yes, you're, you support me, but I, I don't want to, I don't want you to interact me with me when I don't know who you are and I'm out for a run. Like that's just strange. So taking it that far gets, like a little bit uncomfortable, but outside of that, not really. I can't imagine. Uh, you did touch on something that I think is so incredibly important. And going back to what you said about the blackout, you made that decision because you had, it was a conscious decision where you went, okay, you internalized what this meant and went, I don't think that this is something that I want to do. How, you know, we, we saw so many people that did it probably just because a lot of other people were doing it. Right. Yeah. And, or, and I'm not saying everybody because my wife and I had the same conversation and went the other direction. So I guess what's so important and what I really appreciate that you mentioned is that you did it in a mindful way 
where it wasn't just, I'm going to do this thing because everyone's doing it, where you actually sat with what it meant and then made a decision afterwards. Yeah. And I think that that's a massive part of uh, what is lacking in, in society as a whole, quite frankly. Like there is very little conscious thought that goes into what we do, especially when it comes to things on social media that we agree with the core of. It's very easy to just click share. So, where at a very base level, sort of switching back to your work, where uh, this this idea of the tiny, tiny leaps, right? It, it, it all starts with, I mean, this is boiled way down and I'm, I would encourage everyone to listen to, to Greg's podcast to, to go 10 levels above this, but sort of the one foot in front of another approach. Mm-hmm. Where was this something that you believed or, or, or let me rephrase that question. Is this something that you sort of manifested out of your own experiences to the point where you were going, man, you know, I just, I, I'm loving this. I'm living this. I want to teach it. Mm. Or, you know, I guess talk about how it's impacted your life. Yeah. So um, the concept of the tiny leaps, the the sort of belief quite honestly, comes from watching my parents. When I was growing up, seeing where my dad started, which his first job here was as a migrant worker on an apple orchard. He lived in a trailer in the middle of uh, a fall in, in uh, upstate New York that did not have heat, did not have like proper running water, like real bottom of the barrel stuff. Um, and by the time he passed away a few years ago, like he was a, a manager at a major bottling plant down in New Jersey that has really large nationwide contracts. So like he really worked his way up and our lifestyle changed as a, in, in response to that. Like his ability to create an, a specific outcome came from one step at a time. And, and as a result, where I started my life where where I've been able to go came from that exact same decision. So when I was, it's always been something that was internalized for me. The term tiny leaps wasn't one that I used prior to the show or that my family used or anything like that. But the overall concept was something that I, I really believed mattered because I saw what it did for my life. I was able to go to a private university in New York City because of the, the steps that both he and my mom took as I was growing up. So it, it, it's something that, that was really important to me for that reason. And in the beginning of my book, I actually tie these ideas together. Like I, I talk about the fact that the, the tiny leaps approach is exactly what immigrants have been doing in this country forever. Like whether they use that language or not, that is how that that's how an immigrant has to start. If you come here and you have barely any connections, you have very little money, you you don't really have the opportunity of someone who maybe was born here. Your only approach is what is immediately in front of me that I can start with. And then from there, that gives you more opportunities, which is also why a big part of it is, to stop chasing your passion. Like if you have something you're already passionate about, cool, apply the tiny leaps model to that. What can you start with right now? It may not be that end passion that you want to do, but it can lead to that over time. So that's where that comes from. 
So you have an awesome podcast. You've got a book you've talked about, and you've been advertising lately on the podcast, a coaching program, right? Uh, yeah, so not so much a coaching program. I have a course called the Consistency Code. Uh, the The goal of it is one of the big things I've noticed with the show is people struggle with the showing up everyday part. And, and so do I, to be perfectly honest. Like it, it's not easy. But what I go through in the course is a number of frameworks and an approach that I think allows for consistency over the long term. So individual days, you're still going to screw up, quote unquote, individual days, you're still not going to show up. That has to be okay. That's that being human part. But shifting the way that we look at our goal setting to be far more, what does the next 50 years look like rather than what does the next three months look like? So, so that's what I, I cover there. I love that. And, and that, you know, this is a stat I love to drop that the average person when asked to envision the future, and this may be a little out of date now, this is back when I first got into recovery, but the average uh, person would, would think about seven years. The average person in recovery would think about, or I'm sorry, struggling with substance misuse would think about two weeks. And, wow, and really? Yeah. And, and that's what, that's the way that, 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 you know, these, this addiction changes your brain, you know, mm. when, when you're so focused on the next hit and trying to make sure you're warding off, you know, going through withdrawal, who cares about anything longer than a couple of weeks right. down the road. Right. So I love that, that mind shift, mind shift. Uh, it, it really does, you know, again, ties into the whole choose your struggle thing. And I, I love, I love all of that. Um, so, and that perfectly transitions, transitions into my next call. Once again, tell my people where they can find you. And, and if they, if they're interested in what you're, what you're putting down, where they can get in touch with you. Yeah. So again, if you want to listen to the podcast, it's called tiny leaps, big changes. It's available wherever podcasts can be found. The book is available online, same name. Uh, it's also available in Barnes and Noble throughout the U S and, and a number of other stores. And if you are interested in the course or you just want to learn more about it, head over to consistencycourse.com. Awesome. I uh, finished with a couple of questions. I asked every one of my guests. So number one, um, you know, you, we talked a little bit about your personal mental health, but not just through these last couple of, of months, which again, you know, I'm sure were, were, were difficult, but overall, what are your self-care habits? Uh, so it's really important to me to work out whether that for most of my life, that's meant going to the gym or lifting. Uh, recently, that became running. Uh, and that's that's sort of partially because of COVID, partially because both my girlfriend and one of my best friends are obsessed with it. So they finally got me on board. Um, but but some sort of physical activity is really, really important to me. And I find that on an individual day-to-day -day basis, I may not crave it. But when I go too long without it, it really starts to affect me. Um, another really important thing to me is giving myself space. So I tend to I have a very, this is going to sound weird, but I have a very good relationship with my subconscious in the sense that I allow it to solve problems for me. Like I spend a lot of my time working, whether it's on the show or in new books or products or like it's, I, I work a lot. And there are sometimes just things that sitting and thinking about it and banging my head against the wall will never solve. When I get to that point I have gotten very good at letting it go, walking away, and knowing that the next morning I'm going to wake up with the answer. And that has happened every single time. So uh, giving myself that space for my mind to work outside of the actual sitting down and work part 
uh, that's really important to me. And as a result, now that I'm in a position to sort of control my day a little bit more, I structure play into my day rather than uh, sort of a work day then play sort of situation. So I take breaks all the time to play video games. I take breaks all the time to watch movies. Uh, I, I sometimes take an entire day and do quote unquote nothing, but without fail, every single time I come back, my subconscious has been working on something and all of a sudden everything's a whole lot easier. So that, that's really important. To me. All right. So last, last question. Um, you know, we, we spend a lot of time talking about, you know, your work, my work, whatever, but who are some people who you think we need to go read, we need to go follow on social media, whatever it is, who were some people that have influenced you who have really um, helped make you the, the person that you are and doing the, the awesome work that you're doing? So one person that comes to mind immediately is actually um, a cousin of mine. So his, his handle on Instagram is at alchemist, A-L-K-E-E-M-I-S-T. He does a lot. He's a certified fitness trainer and he does a lot of work around mindset, around fitness. He got me involved in and interested in the stock market and around building wealth in the black community. Uh, so he's been a massive influence to me and I, I recommend people go check out his stuff. Um, I One of my favorite books recently, I'm just trying to pull up. Uh, so it's called Good Habits, Bad Habits. Uh, the author is Wendy Wood, I believe. And that's, that was a, a really good read on how habits are formed, uh, how it's sort of a, um, like your body doesn't care whether it's building a good habit or a bad habit. It, it's the same process either way. And, and so you really have to be conscious about which habits you're building. Now, that, that was a, a really interesting thing to me. And a recent guest, when I say recent, maybe like, 50 episodes now. Um, Alina Tugend, she wrote Better by Mistake. And that book was written like 10 years ago, but she does a lot of work around, uh, she was a former New York Times columnist, and, and she's done a lot of work around how mistakes play out both in individuals' lives, but then also, and this is something I never thought about, how do researchers think about mistakes in like high pressure situations? So if you're a pilot, if you're a surgeon, like a mistake means somebody dies. So how do people in those roles, like what do they need to do to navigate uh, their, their stress, their emotional levels in order to avoid those mistakes? And that was a really eye-opening read as well. Well, thank you for that. And, you know, thank you so much for taking the time, Greg. It's been great to talk to you. Thank you so much for having me. It honestly was a, it was a pleasure. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast and then thought, oh, man, I just, I don't even know where to begin. Well, I have the perfect answer for you. It's Anchor. They have all the tools you need to get started right away, all in one spot. You can do it from your phone or your computer. They'll even distribute for you, so you don't have to go looking for places to get your podcast out. But the best part is it's all free. That's right. You can sign up today without any hassle at all. You can even start making money right from the beginning. It's everything you need in a podcast in one place. So check it out today. Go to anchor.fm or download the free Anchor app to get started. All right, we've come to the end of another episode. Thank you all for sticking around. It really, it makes me happy. As I say from time to time, I can see the numbers, a lot of different data 
on the podcast, and my completion rate is very high for the industry, and that makes me very happy. It means that those of you who listen truly enjoy this. Uh, you stick around to the end, and that, that truly makes me happy, so thank you for that. I hope you enjoyed both Emily and my new amazing friend, Greg. I, I just find both of them to be fascinating. I think Greg's work is so important. The, the concept of tiny leaps is, you know, it's not new, and he says that, and, and yet it's something we forget, and that's why people like Greg and his show and his book, it's all so important. It truly is the waves that make a difference, and let me, let me <laughs> go on that, because I talk about this a lot when I'm speaking, and as I'm recording, I'm, I'm getting ready for a speech coming up that, that I'll definitely talk about this. We put a lot of emphasis on the big, right? The one big moment that's going to change everything, you know? Perfect example, the election coming up in November, like it's going to change everything, you know? These things matter. They all matter. But, but it's not about the one big event. It's about the tiny things we all do every day that make a major difference. I just read an article by a guy that I find just to be... I'm I'm like, <laughs> I'm such a big fan of his. Uh, I keep tweeting about him. We've interacted on social media. Uh, his name is Andre Perry. He works for the Brookings Institute. And, and he published an article not long ago about how we need to stop telling people not to protest and instead to vote. And he's like, that's just so dumb because we have so much data that shows, unfortunately, the average person's vote doesn't matter. And yet the average person can make a huge difference by protesting, by using their voice. And so his point is, do both. Why Why are we choosing? Why do we have to, don't be in the street? No, like, do both. As I mentioned last show, my wife and I attended a, a demonstration this last weekend, and of course we had all the people yelling at us, but we also had a lot of people honking their horn and giving us thumbs up and and one guy got out of his car, a, a black man in our neighborhood, and came up to us and said, I got to tell you, uh, I didn't know that this was a thing here. Um, this is in Charleston, South Carolina, especially a very wealthy suburb called Daniel Island. And he said, I didn't know there were people that think the way you think here. Uh, and that makes it worth it. You know, that's what makes the changes. It's not the, the big thing. It's the tiny changes, as Greg teaches us in his show, Tiny Leaps. Without further ado, we are opening the card pack. And, and you know, I'm using the Nuggets of Kindness card pack, uh, as always, brought to you by Blurt, because there wasn't a lot of kindness in the responses from Katie online. In person, people reaching out to me, a lot of amazing kindness. But online, not a whole lot of kindness. So to offset that, we're doing <laughs> Nuggets of Kindness this week. Here we go. Here's your card. Go gently. None of this crucifying yourself nonsense that's never done anyone any good. Whisper words of kindness, encouragement, and praise. You're doing brilliantly. That's very nice. Thank you, Blurt. And that's so true. I, I tell people a lot, if you wouldn't say it to a friend of yours, you shouldn't say it to yourself. It's that easy. Don't crucify yourself, as, as this card says. Be honest with yourself. Don't don't let yourself off the hook or just inflate yourself for no reason. But also, tell yourself good things. 
I just, I just think that's so important. I hope that card means something to you. I hope you take a second to pause and sit with yourself and say, is this a thing that I'm crucifying myself for? Or is this an honest thing that I need to work on? And even if it is, are you being too harsh on yourself? Because that's the reality too. All right, I mentioned this briefly on the way in. Here's your good egg very quickly. A recent survey found that 33% of those who listen to podcasts, and this was not just 10 people. This was like, I think they said 11,000 people were in this survey. 33% they listen to podcasts to improve their mood. 33%. That's thousands of people in this survey. 33%. So here's your good egg. Share with other people in your life this week. Look, I would love for it to be this podcast. I really would. Uh, I had a lot of people share the Katie Hill one, not always for the best reasons, but I did have a lot of shares. It can be my good friend Spark Tabor's Cookies for Breakfast podcast. It can be Greg's Tiny Leaps podcast. Share things that'll make people smile because we do a lot of the opposite. And I don't mean podcasts. I mean, you know, we share, oh, did you see this news? And sometimes that's important. A lot of times it's just to get a, re- you know, a rise out of somebody, a reaction to, so that you feel connected. You feel like, okay, I'm validated by their reaction. So do the opposite. Share a podcast. 33%. You have a one in three chance of improving somebody's mood with a podcast. Share mine. It would mean a lot to me. And I honestly, I speak to this. If you like the cards, if you like the interview, share this. Share cookies for breakfast. Share tiny leaves. But most importantly, show your empathy. Be vulnerable. Spread your love and choose your struggle.